0: Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz pianist Greg Murphy. His musical adventures began in 1971 when he joined the Ray Fisk Grammar School Band in Chicago, and that would lead him to his very latest 2016 album in a long, long journey, and it's called Summer Breeze. One of his big moments came in 1984 when he got the National Endowment for the Arts Opportunity Grant to go to New Orleans and study with the great pianist and educator Ellis Marsalis. Since the 80s, he has been big on the New York City jazz scene. He's played with the likes of Brantford Marsalis, Joe Lovano, Christian McBride, Terrence Blanchard, Harry Connick Jr., the great Charles McPherson, and so many others. He's got great stories, great insights, and we love his music. So, dig this interview, my friends.
1: Man, hey, thanks for taking a little time out for me.
2: Hey, uh, happy to be be, uh, available. (laughs) Right on, right on.
1: So, I know you're a very busy musician, very busy man, but in your own words, I want to start everything off here with kind of a snapshot of sorts of activity that's going on right now, ever present in your world.
2: Right now, uh, getting ready to go to uh, to do some teaching, uh, where I teach uh, piano lessons at uh, Montessori School in, in Jersey City, and uh, also preparing for you know the various projects that I have going on, like... Uh, uh, I got a gig at Smalls uh, coming up in uh, two weeks on Tuesday, which is a, a CD release uh, party for, for my latest CD, which is called uh, a Summer Breeze, uh, which is out on Waving City Sound. And uh, so I've been working that the last couple months since it's been out, just letting people know that it's out there, uh, doing radio promotion, getting, getting airplay. You know, it's been on the charts for the last, I guess, 10 weeks. Um, nine weeks it's been on the Jazz Week charts and uh, you know so I call radio stations you know I have a radio promoter you know working in in uh, coordination with the, the record label as far as uh, you know just just reaching out to those guys and uh, seeing if they need CDs for promotion for for their fun drives and stuff like that uh, and you know trying to keep it going, I'm trying to keep getting some gigs and, and uh, get some work for my group. Also doing a lot of solo stuff at, at a restaurant in Staten Island. I play there on a regular basis. I also play Wednesday nights uh, with a group um, in... in. Uh, in Harlem at a place on 121st Street, which is my old neighborhood, doing some things on Thursdays with the uh, Spirit of Life Ensemble uh, coming up and, you know, just trying to stay busy, trying to um, trying to keep it moving, you know, and, and find some time to practice and, and work on some new music and and all that stuff.
1: Very cool, man. Yeah, everything sounds very busy. So Smalls is a pretty hip little place to play, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's, it's a it's a great place. They've developed it over the years. They've done some remodeling. They have some great pianos in there. Spike Wilner has done a great job with that place. You know, they do live streaming. Um, you know, it's it's become, you know, one of the spots. That place in Mesro, um, which is right down the street, um, those are, you know, two of the hippest rooms in New York City. Right on. So
1: Summer Breeze, I caught it on iTunes, caught some tracks, very good album. So I want to ask you this kind of take me into the inner workings of how this album was made and now in the afterglow with promoting how do you feel
2: I feel good about it um basically it started out um if you want a long story <laughs> it started out <laughs> it started out as a uh I was um you know a friend of mine uh Jay Rodriguez who's a saxophone player and he and he's also you know does a lot of other things he told me about the studio he had in Brooklyn he said hey I have this timeshare it, it's really it's like a performance space slash studio. Um, this place called iBeam in Brooklyn. He said, "Come on and record some stuff." So I recorded a couple solo piano pieces, and then he said, "You should put this stuff out. You know, you should you should you should make an album." And I was like, "Wow, this is you know this is, it's you know I hadn't done an album in like ten years before that. Um, you know, almost um, eight years or whatever. And so I decided to 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 think seriously about it. And then I did a fundraising thing with Indiegogo, and I. And then I, I put 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 the band together, some guys I've been working with, and we did and we did a uh, formal session. You know, I did a solo session, and then then we did a uh, you know a group session um, in Queens at this really nice studio. And so I put that album together and put that out. It was called Blues for Miles, and I put that out on my own label. And then you know I was speaking with um, Jerry Gibbs, who because uh, I wanted you know I. I know he had a lot of success with radio, you know, with uh, on the Jazz Week charts and stuff like that. So I asked him who was his radio promoter. So he got me in touch with Neil Sapper, and and so so I did radio promotion for Blues for Miles with Neil Sapper. So I did all that on my own with the help of you know contributions from Indiegogo. and then I also spoke with uh, Jerry's record label, and he said, well, yeah, let me let me see what your thing sounds like, and uh, maybe we can do something. So I gave him a copy of Blues for Miles. He liked it and he said uh, okay you know put something together we'll work we'll work something out and uh i recorded a summer breeze uh i did that session in january and you know he liked it so he put it out and and uh we put it out in july and we're we're uh, you know we're we're still uh you know working it as they say you know you know they they have a uh, a publicist and uh so they you know they send it out to all these places try to get reviews and stuff like that so so we're still in the process of uh of uh, working that you know and of course the label has all sorts of other things so so uh so I'm I'm pleased with the results so far it it's a um a plus or minus thing you know it's uh sometimes it's you know you're really ha- I'm really happy about the results or what's going on the other times it's like a struggle you know it's like it's a lot of work involved so but you know I'm I'm really happy. I'm really grateful that people have helped me with this record. You know, I also did an indiegogo project and and I got some help with that financially and the record company is also uh, you know, has also, you know, of course done a lot um to to try to get this record out. So it, it helps, you know. It's it's uh it's just something we have to do, you know. If if you're if you're a performing musician, and you know you have to have a record out you know right. even if it, even you know it doesn't have to be every year but at least every once in a while you got to get something out and try to it's like a you know these days you know they don't necessarily make a lot of money but it helps everything you know everything you know your performances you know what whatever you're doing everything helps the the overall aspect of your of your career you know and that's you know that's what i'm hoping with this with this project, and all the things that I do, they all help each other, you know, radio interviews like we're doing now, you know, everything, you know, gigs, you know, everything, everything helps the overall, uh, the overall scheme, you know, of, of things, you know.
1: Yeah, and you're a product, and you got to have a product, so it makes sense, yeah, there's got to be some kind of tangibility, especially at live gigs, so, you know, you, you said you hopefully it all works out, when you get done with big projects, Do you get that clairvoyance to look on the other side of it and say, "Yeah, you know what? This this did work out. This makes sense."
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, it 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 helps. It's it's gotten me more recognition. You know, people bought the record and said, "Hey, I like the record. It sounds great." And uh, you know, but it's always a work. You know, I always feel like I'm a work in progress. Like, you know, I listen back and say, "Wow, this could have been better. That could have been better." So it's always, you know, I'm always trying to improve. I'm always trying to, uh, you know, improve. Improve in any aspect, in every aspect of my of my career. You know, whether it's teaching, whether it's performing, whether it's composing, uh, producing uh, the sound and recording, engineering, all that stuff. You know, I'm always trying to get better, and it's all and it's it's good. You know, it's good to get the feedback from everybody, and um, you know, just got to keep it moving. You know, that's that's the main thing. You know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and speaking of movement, let's begin at the beginning here of your movement. You were born in Chicago.
2: I was born in Newfoundland. I was born in Saint John's, Newfoundland. Actually.
1: So, were you raised in Chicago?
2: Yeah, I was raised in Chicago. Yeah, my my father was in the service and uh, in the Air Force, and then so I was. You know, my mom is from uh, Saint John's, or, or from Newfoundland. Uh, they met in Saint John's, and as a you know, so I was born there. And six months when I was six months old, my family moved to Chicago. Okay. And I and I grew up in Chicago.
1: So, what was your childhood like to give you this love of music and jazz?
2: Well, um my father was a singer. Um he had a brief career and uh you know, he he went on the road a little bit and and went on uh, a couple TV shows and and he was a singer and he composed and he actually you know, put together a uh he put together a record. I think it was a 33 and uh of some original compositions. He had some some uh, local musicians uh, that were were pretty good. I think he had Jody Christian, who's a who's a famous Chicago uh, piano player. He had him on the record. And he kind of like, you know, he, he had records around the house. He, I heard Sketches of Spain, uh, you know. I always used to play this record um, as time goes by. I don't know who it was by, but it was a, a 33, and I kept playing it. And it was, for some reason that... that that caught my uh attention, and uh eventually I had to learn it but <laughs> but uh you know over the years but um uh 'cause the the owner at the uh at the hotel that I work at now he likes that song, so he he likes me to play that song but um so anyway, you know, my father was into music and 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 I started uh taking piano lessons as a kid, you know, I heard some of that music, I still you know. My older brother was, you know, as after I had taken some piano lessons and learned a little bit about music, I was still really not into jazz. You know, I just, I just liked, I liked the piano a little bit, and uh, but once I was in high school, I started hearing. because uh, I only took lessons for a couple of years, and then, um, and then I, I was hearing. You know, my my older brother Mark had a big collection of uh, Beatles records. And uh, he was the record collector, and I was just you know listen you know I I'd bought a Snoopy record and an Aerosmith record and and uh, you know I was you know into rock and roll and stuff like that, listening to to those guys and going to concerts and stuff, and uh, and R and B and stuff you know from high school and um, there was this record that kind of caught my attention and when my brother would first play it you know it sounded like Chinese music to me and it was Chick Korea and um, you know there's the old story you know that you know swing era musicians would listen to Charlie Parker records and say that it sounded like uh Chinese music and you know I I didn't hear that at the time it just you know I, I it just didn't I didn't understand it so it, so that, so I I was listening to this return to forever record eventually it caught on eventually I heard it enough and it started making sense and I was like wow this is pretty cool and then I started getting into the fusion weather report and you know, all of the artists that played with Chick Corea and that played with Weather Report, I would get their albums, Stanley Clark's albums, Lenny White, um, uh, Alphonse on. So I started getting into the music through Fusion. And then I started, started listening to John Coltrane and Charlie Parker and uh, Miles Davis. And then I started becoming interested in... In jazz and started seeing how cool it was.
1: So obviously, with your dad being in music and growing up with so much music and playing, was it just something that was in your DNA that you were going to pursue music as a career?
2: Well, it really didn't happen. You know, I I was like music, but I went to college. I went to Illinois State University to study. Um, you know, I was into sports a lot, so that was really my interest. You know, I was into baseball and hockey, and when I went to Illinois State, you know, I had I was a computer science major. But I would always, I was always tinkling on the piano. You know, I was always just messing around. You know, trying to just play some stuff by ear. And um, then my mom was getting ready to move to Germany, so she said she was going to sell my piano because uh, you know she had to get rid of it. And that that's when it hit. When I was at Illinois State University, and she said she was going to move and sell my piano, I was like, "Wow, I don't want. You know, I want to keep that piano." So I I I went back to Chicago and. And moved the piano from my mom's house to my brother's house, and so, you know, I had some friends uh, help me move it. So that's when it kind of dawned on me that I wanted to play the piano. When it was getting ready to be taken away, <laughs> and, then I, and then I was like, I think I like this thing, you know, because I was practicing it at Illinois State, you know, just messing around, but but I was into other stuff, but uh, but then you know after that, and then I left college after you know two years and moved in with my brother, and then I started getting together with these local bands. You know, I had my piano there, and I started doing, you know, rehearsals and getting together with uh, with this one band um, where we rehearsed every day, and then uh, this band called uh, Lightning Flash Thunder Roar. <laughs> and we had, we had some good gigs in Chicago. We were doing a lot of variety of stuff, but we were one of those bands that rehearsed, like, you know, almost every day. And so we, sure. we were able to learn a lot of music, and... Uh, and from there, um, you know, I was, I was always into jazz. We weren't playing much jazz with that band. But, you know, uh, I started, you know, trying to play more and learn more, you know, traditional jazz tunes, more standards and stuff like that. Uh, I met Ellis Marcellus um, as, you know, in, in association with that band. We had an arranger who was who arranged some of our stuff. And he said, hey, this, this you know, Ellis Marcellus is in town with Winton and this is that this is in the early 80s when they had just started becoming successful and they put out that record fathers and sons and they did a tour with that fathers and sons was one side was Alice marcellus Branford and Winton and some other cats and then the other side was uh von freeman chico freeman and uh um, george freeman i think and so so anyway ellis was doing a tour and so Alice was at a workshop and so my friend who was arranging for for the lftr band said hey you should you know you should come out and check check these cats out you know he's giving they're giving a free clinic so we went to this college and we saw these guys and um but i mean and we actually missed the workshop so i was like okay so i i asked uh, ellis marcellus if he would uh give me a piano lesson and he said sure and he came to my house we, you know, and gave me a free piano lesson. And this is in, like, 1984, and super cool of him to do that, you know. He's working at the Blackstone Theater, which was, uh, not the Blackstone Theater, Blackstone Hotel, that's, that's where the Jazz Showcase was at the time. You know, he said, basically said, come on out to the showcase, and then so we met. I checked out their performance, and he was nice enough to give me a free piano lesson. So from there, he said, why don't you put together an application uh, and try to get an NEA grant, to to study come down to new orleans and study so so ellis you know he he was very instrumental in my jazz career because i I got the grant and then i went down there in 85 and studied with him and ended up staying there in new orleans for like two and a half years um you know learning how to play and, and doing gigs and stuff like that
1: That was a big stepping stone before you went to the New York City scene and and got involved with with what was going on there. So in the 80s, since the 80s, you've been in the New York City scene. What was it like to migrate, not only from what you were doing in Chicago with, you know, the scene and your university work, then New Orleans, then then New York? What was that migration in your career like for you?
2: Well, what happened was, you know, it, it was basically, for me, it was, it was, it was time to leave New Orleans um, in, in the sense that I knew I wanted to keep playing, but I knew that the opportunities were in New York City. You know, I knew that the, that, in, you know, that's where all the cats were. Those, you know, I, I just had a sense that was where, um, you know, you get a chance to play with a lot of musicians and do gigs. So what happened was there was a catalyst that happened when I was living in New Orleans. Um, my equipment, um, my apartment got broken into and my equipment, some of my equipment got stolen, and uh, so I had insurance on it. And so one, once I got the insurance check, that was, you know, it was like 1200 or 1500 bucks, and that was it. That's, that was my money to move to New York. So, uh, so I moved to New York, and, and immediately I started playing with Rashid Ali, a friend of mine, um, Tyler Mitchell, who I played with in high school in Chicago he knew rashid and he had also introduced me to rashid in chicago a long time ago and uh when rashid was playing with sunra so he took me over to his house i was, I was in new york for like maybe two weeks or something like that if, if that and i went to rashid's house and and uh and and i you know began a long association with rashid you know um you know went to his house and i actually broke a couple of his piano keys and i don't know if he was impressed with that or my playing <laughs> <But>, um, <laughs> He liked something about it. I broke at least 5 of his piano keys cuz that, you know, I don't know why, but it was just the tips came off and he had to glue them back on, but I was, you know, <laughs> I, I felt I had, you know, to keep up with him, you got to play pretty hard, so yeah. I, so I, so right away I I knew that, but but Rashid liked me and and I was fortunate enough to uh to be in a lot of his bands over the years. So he took me on the road and and um, you know, it was a slow process, but you know but over the years you know looking back at it you know it was it was an incredible learning experience learning on the bandstands um playing you know free jazz playing you know structured jazz straight ahead you know he had bands that were um primarily you know free but he also had bands that were just exclusively straight ahead you know so it was it was great and then you know and combinations thereof and and so it was it was a great experience playing with Rashid
1: well, and you've also played with, you know, Branford Marsalis, Joe Lovano, Christian McBride. You play with Terrence Blanchard. You've
2: played with so many people. What do you learn? What happened to Yeah, you I mean, those, and I, I have to clarify that because those, those, a lot of people, those like Terrence Blanchard, I just sat in with him at the Vanguard. Uh, same with Branford. Christian McBride, I did a gig with him with Jesse Davis. So it's, it's not like I was in their bands. You know, a lot of these guys I just played with. So I was like, either played with on a on a jam session or. I mean, on a gig somewhere, but, um, you know, but, so just to clarify that, you know. Yeah, you know, no. Joe Lovano I, it, left, you know, these guys I played with, but not like I, I wasn't necessarily in their band.
1: Well, I guess this is my question. Even though you just played with them, what do you learn from veterans, those that have been around for a while, and, you know, kind of, what do you soak in from being
2: around them? Well, I mean, those guys have such a... A, they're in such a comfort zone with their music, you know. It's like everything they do is, like, natural. Like, like uh, I mean, I, I, I did, like, one audition-type gig with Art Taylor, and it was like, you know, just, just playing with him and just, you know, how comfortable he is with what he's doing and his tunes and stuff like that. It's just amazing, you know. I mean, those guys, they... You know, and they all have different styles too. You know, it's like our tailor was like, okay, no, that's not the ending to this song. You got to do it like this. This is the rhythm, dot dot the dee dee dot or whatever, whatever it was for the ending of, uh, of whatever tune we were working on. It was a long time ago, but you know, some guys have very specific concept of what they want, and then other guys have they just play. You know, they just play, and and if you fit in, you fit in, and if you don't, you don't. You know, Um so basically, you know, just. These guys are masters, you know, like you know, Art Taylor and and, uh, you know Terrence and Christian McBride. You know, even back then, and when he was a student at the New School, I mean, you know, just just being just being in bands and just even for a few minutes playing with some of these guys, it was, it was a good experience, you know.
1: So the one thing too, that I noticed that has been pretty big, that probably got you some exposure in 2012. You recorded the same song brother, brother, can you spare a dime for the HBO documentary redemption? Did that pan out pretty well for you for exposure and getting your, your name out there?
2: Um, <clears throat> I, it's, it's tough to say. I'm sure, I'm sure it got out there a little bit, but it didn't, it, you know, it's, uh, it helped me learn the tune. That that's, that's one thing. Yeah. You, know, you know, it did get played on the Oscars, but it was only for a couple seconds. So I think somebody in Chicago, uh, my, my brother's wife might have noticed that, that it could have been me because there was some piano while, while they were you know, yes. announcing the, the nominees and stuff like that. But, um, you know, you never know. what You never know You know, when you get phone calls and stuff like that. But as, you know, nothing direct... You know, I, I learned that song and that's one of the songs that I've played in, uh, on my Blues for Miles album. So... You know, I mean, everything, you never know exactly where it leads to. You know, that didn't particularly uh, blossom out into, I, you know, at the time I thought, hey, I'm, I'm doing something for HBO. I'm going to, uh, you know, I have a chance to get all these other gigs, but it's not that simple.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's never that simple, for sure. You know, you've been at it a long time. You've, you've had a long winding road in jazz. When you look back on your career, how do you feel? How do you feel about
2: where you're at today versus where you started at? Well, I feel I feel pretty good, you know, in, in the climate of today. I mean, I'm I'm still working. I'm I'm still uh, you know, I still have a chance to 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 continue to work. You know, I really don't think about any accomplishments or anything like that because there's it's always, you know, what it's always about for me, it's about working. It's about, you know, how do I pay the bills, you know? And uh the fact that I can pay the bills working with music i guess is a, is a blessing it, it's it's an accomplishment um, but it's always something to uh, it's always something to strive for you know i mean i've come a long way i've dealt you know as far as you know i've had some some rough times you know with um, you know dealing with uh you know just the, the the regular stuff that a lot of musicians go through um, you know dealing with with uh, substance abuse and and uh, homelessness you know so in 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 relation to that you know i've come a long way in as far as getting out of that you know getting out of that uh, lifestyle and you know because i used to think that you know you had to be involved in the in in the street scene you know in order to be you know, to be a a, a good musician or just to, be, to have, you know, I felt you had to have a little dirt on you in order to, to make things work musically in jazz, but, you know, it's not necessarily true, you know. I mean, we all learn from our experiences, good and bad, but, you know, overall, I, f- I feel I'm in a good place today. When I first came to New York, there was a lot more work. Um, there was a lot more opportunities for, you know, young folks like myself and to travel and to, to do things. Um, there's not as much work as, as there was back then. So in light of that, you know, it's, it's an up and down thing, you know, you know, I, I, I feel good. And at the same time, I feel, I just got to keep working, you know, I got to keep hustling. I mean, I'm very fortunate to know a lot of good musicians and work with a lot of good musicians and have a lot of people that are, uh, you know, helping me out and stuff like that and vice versa, you know, and to be able to be part of the the scene and help help kids out help kids learn how to play and uh it's it's all good i'm I'm in a good spot <laughs> right on it's not, it's not easy though it's not easy no. I, I, gotta, I gotta tell you that it's, it's it's sometimes it's a struggle and sometimes it's frustrating you know i never feel like giving up but um but you know sometimes i just you know feel like you know cursing out the universe <laughs> yeah <laughs> which is which is not helpful because right. it just yeah. comes right back at me <laughs> so yeah so so uh you know i i'm grateful you know and and i know that i'm very fortunate to be in this position right now so sometimes i have to just you know i have to reorient my thinking uh oftentimes you know to 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 realize that that uh you know i'm i'm you know to realize that things are going good things are going good for me and and I, you know and when i'm able to help other people then things are even going better so let me ask you a generic question
1: You've dedicated your life to jazz. So tell me this: Why do you love jazz? Uh,
2: jazz is it. It's the music is healing. You know the music. You know as a musician. You know when I'm doing a good thing when I'm playing music, it it heals me. You know it it makes me feel good. It's um, it's something about the music that allows you to let go and communicate directly and be part of something bigger than yourself you know it allows me to uh um to tap in you know Uh, it's it's something about playing on a structure playing structured music and then creating on top of that form uh it's something about creating where there is no form at all Um, yeah jazz has so many aspects to it um and just to just to getting getting involved with the different rhythmic aspects of jazz and the different styles you know playing you know bossa nova jazz or straight ahead jazz or it's it's so many different forms that you can get into and create on top of those forms it's 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 really cool and it's also yeah. you know and when you're doing a good job you know you it it relates to the audience whether they have you know um Know, musical experience or not they can feel it you know there's something about jazz that that gets through to people you know yeah i'm not i'm, I'm sure other styles of music do that too but jazz is a little different it's uh it, it's got i mean when you're tapped into it and it's working you know on a on a high level it's something that really comes through a tradition of you know a long tradition from you know from africa you know, from, you know, blending in with different elements around the world. It's something that's really, it has a lot of history to it, and it's sacred in a sense, you know. It has a lot of history. So in order to do it right, it has to swing. It has to have a feeling, and it's got to have the blues in it. It's got to have, you know, it's got to have a lot of stuff in it in order for it to, for me, in order for it to work right. And so it's always a challenge to make that, to, you know, to be, in that feeling you know when i'm performing or you know it's when i'm listening it's you know when i listen to coltrane play you know impressions or whatever um when or or whatever song when he's really into it it's like it's a direct channel from from uh from somewhere (laughs) it's like a healing feeling you know i can i can get energized by just listening to the to the masters you know Yeah, well, and you know, I want to tap into what you're saying about the rich history of jazz and
1: how far back we've gone and how much there's involved in it. And, you know, being here in Kansas City and seeing 18 and Vine, the the beginnings of this question is coming from that perspective, which is this. If you could go into a time machine and see a performer, where would you go and who would you see?
2: I would see Charlie Parker as he was developing in kansas city <laughs> you know I, and i read this book you know about this guy from 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 this guy uh, stanley crouch and uh you know it you know he's a controversial author but somebody i've seen over the years friend of rashid in the past and you know former drummer he wrote this book called kansas city lightning and that kind of got me interested it talks about you know, a lot of the periphery around Charlie Parker and how he grew up in the era and, and what other musicians were like and stuff like that. And and it just, it's, it, Charlie Parker's life was so fascinating. And, you know, he was definitely an inspiration when I was living in New Orleans. I remember this, I was playing on Bourbon Street and this guy was like, why would you want to, you know, go, go to New York and, you know, and, and, and live in, live in garbage and roll around in trash cans like Charlie Parker, I was like, "Are you kidding me you know and you know and, and it makes and it makes me think about that movie that um that came out a long time ago called bird and it was just it was just totally wrong you know it was yeah. like, you know it it just it focused on it didn't focus on the real deal, which was his genius and and how that music how he developed that music where it came from you know and i would love to see charlie parker if i could go back in time and see and see him playing with uh you know some of those local bands at the barbecue shacks and stuff like that you know so <laughs> barbecue from from 1935 uh, to or whatever absolutely yeah
1: yeah back when it was
2: smoking yeah
1: and it's, they're doing pretty good these days what's one of the nicest things that a fan has
2: ever said to you you made my day you know You know, you, 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 uh, you know, you, you you really inspired me or, or you sound, you know, you sound great or your band sounds great or that was, you know, when you make people feel better, you know, that's, that's part of the, uh, that's the reason why, why I do it, you know, Um, you know, I want to make myself feel better. And when I do that, I can, you know, there's a chance that I can, and then other people can feel better too. So it's about, it's about, you know projecting beauty it's about projecting uh, warmth uh compassion sometimes anger uh, frustration you know it's about expressing emotions and helping and and when people hear that and when people feel that they feel energized or they they understand that okay this is you know it's not all about you know peace and serenity sometimes it's about anger frustration and the will to to change you know the the desire to to uh to express those feelings so you know jazz is such a beautiful thing in that you can express emotions inside of the music and you can sometimes convey that to people so when people understand that and they feel it and they say you know i've had a that was a great concert or you know you did a good thing and that's what it's all about. Let me ask you this: This is my final
1: question. Everybody has a version of who you are—your family, your friends, the people that you play for. But when you wake up and go out into the world, who do you think you are?
2: Just a regular cat trying to get a job, you know, trying to trying to work and and uh, be part of, you know, you know, just like a regular guy who who goes and 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 you know, I'm just a regular cat, you know, just. Uh, someone who's going to uh to do a job and and uh, also learn so I'm a perpetual student you know i'm a student and uh and i'm a, <clears throat> a hustler and uh and you know cuz i got to keep hustling to get gigs you know i'm also a peaceful person um i'm also about uh inclusion you know uh, everybody needs to be everybody has a role to play and uh and if I can, you know, just help that process and whatever, and whoever I interact with, I don't know. That's a tough question. <laughs> no, you but, hit, you hit it, you hit it. I think you you think you hit it on the head. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I think you completely described yourself. And the beauty of that answer is, is that there's no. There, realistically, not to sound cliche, there's not a right answer. It's just how do you, who do you think you are? And I think yeah. you just. Summed it up, you know.
2: That's, yeah, that, that's that's a great question. Too. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I saved the best yeah. for last.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> who do you think you are? <laughs> so yeah, um, just a regular cat trying to trying to trying to do the best he can, and, and uh, yeah, that's it, I guess.
1: Hustling and feeling the peace—that's good, man. That's good. a good, it's a good, uh, good yin yang for sure. Hey, uh, Greg, thank you for taking some time out. Thank you for giving me your story. Thank you for the music. I appreciate it.
2: Hey, thanks, Joe. And uh, hopefully I'll get a chance to see you one of these days.
0: Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, Chicago, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Greg for his time, his stories, and all that music. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store, or visit the Neon Jazz YouTube channel, and you can always get everything Neon Jazz at the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the music, my friends.
2: Neon Jazz.